بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده ونسلی علی رسولی الکریم اما بعد الحمدللہ today is the 28th of January in the year 2024 and Alhamdulillah we moved on to the third session that we're going through the commentary of the blessed Surah Al-Nur and I've reached verse 2 where we still have a few uh, commentaries So today, today, the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem, bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. The woman and the man guilty of zina flog each of them with a hundred stripes. Let not compassion move you in their case, in a matter prescribed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the last day, and let a party of the believers witness their punishment. So here, Mufti Shafi Rahmatullah in Ma'arif al-Qur'an volume 3 page 148 of the English translation he states the mention of man appears first and that of woman follows whilst in the case of adultery the arrangement has been reversed where a woman has been mentioned first thus in the punishment of theft Surah 5 verse 38 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَالصَّادِقُ وَالصَّادِقَةِ A man or a woman who commits theft. But in the punishment of zina, <coughs> it is said, Surah 24 verse 2, to وَالزَّانِ The woman and the man guilty of zina. Commentators have indicated many elements of wisdom in this reversal of word order. But the one that appeals most is that the crime of theft when committed by man <clears throat> as compared to that committed by a woman is more grave because Allah the Almighty has blessed the man with the kind of strength to earn his living which a woman does not have should a man who despite that so many doors of earning his living are open to him stoop so low as to commit the disgraceful crime of theft really increases the gravity of the crime but when it comes to the matter of Zina, Allah the Almighty has blessed the woman with natural modesty and secured an atmosphere which leaves no reason for her to fall into the lower levels of immodesty, which would be a grave crime indeed. Therefore, in theft, the mention of man precedes, whilst in adultery, that of a woman. So here, notice the subtle changes. When it comes to theft, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the man first. When it comes to zina, he mentions the woman. So, simply put, Mufti Shafi said, because when a man commits theft, he doesn't need to because he can easily earn a living, maybe unlike a woman. And when it comes to mentioning the woman first in uh, adultery, the woman usually has more modesty. So, for her to fall into the crime, is probably great. So, note the subtle changes which Mufti Shafi mentioned. But Imam Qurtubi, <coughs> he adds a dimension. So Imam Qurtubi in his Tafsir, volume 6, page 140 of the English translation, quoted, If it is asked what the wisdom is in Allah the Almighty mentioning the male thief first before the female in this verse, Surah 5, verse 38, was in the case of fornication, the female is mentioned first, Surah 24, verse 2. The answer is, 
The reason for this is that men have greater love for wealth and women have greater desire for pleasure. That is why he begins with each of them in the proper situation. So Imam Qurtubi, he mentions another wisdom. Usually wealth is the fitna for men. They have a greater love for it and the women have a greater desire for pleasure and that's scientifically proven. When a woman ages, her desires increase. And when the man ages, the Prophet mentioned that his desire for, you know, property increases. Then Imam Qurtubi said, Rahmatullah Allah the Almighty prescribed the amputation of the hand for theft, since it is used to take wealth. But he did not prescribe castration for zina, even though the deed is perpetrated by the private part. So this demands wisdom as well. Why is the hand caught for a thief and yet there's no castration for the one committing zina? Imam Qurtubi said there are three reasons for this. The first, one is that the thief has another similar hand to the one which was amputated. He can always use the other hand instead. A fornicator, however, does not have another private part to replace the first and so has no other he can use. So this is one obvious wisdom. The second is that the had punishment is a deterrent to the perpetrator and others. Cutting off the hand is a clear deterrent which people observe, but the castration is concealed. How is that a deterrent? <laughs> and thirdly, castration prevents progeny, which amputation of the hand does not. And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So note, the scholars, they look into the divine wisdom, why Allah ta'ala, you know, gives certain commands. And notice the, the wisdom is of course perfect, because it's the gift given by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also, <coughs> I mentioned uh, in the previous session or the first that the only companion or Amir al-Mu'mineen who applied both whipping a hundred times and then stoning to death for the adultery was Ali radiallahu. So, what did he say? So, Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Ali said radiallahu. I lashed her according to the Quran and I stoned her according to the Sunnah of Rasulullah. This is in Ahmad Bayhaqi and Hakim, authentic. So, what did he mean? I lashed her according to the Quran, verse 2. Strike them a hundred times. He goes, I stoned her according to the Sunnah. The Prophet said, Stone them to death. This was the view of Imam Ahmad. Ishaq, Dawood, Ibn al-Mundir. It was also the view of Hassan al-Basri and some other scholars. Refer to Ibn al-Rajim and his Jami, volume 1, page 314. There's another view. There are some who hold the view that both lashing and stoning is only for older people who commit adultery, whilst younger people who do so are only stoned. This is because they said the crime of the older person is more severe since he does not possess the same drive that a younger person may possess. This view has also been related by Imam Ahmad and Ishaq. Again, refer to Ibn Rajab and his Jami, volume 1, page 315. So another view is that the lashing should be done to the elderly man because he should know better. 
his desires have reduced, he's still committing adultery and he's got a lawful avenue to wish to fulfill it, he is lashed for a deterrent for all the other elders, then he's torn. But the majority of the scholars state that one does not do both lashing and stoning to the tayyib fornicate. They argue that the above referred hadith has been abrogated. The abrogation is the authentic hadith concerning Ma'iz who committed adultery and Rasulullah had him stoned without having him lashed first. This is also true for the other relations that mentioned the Prophet having stoned but never mentioned lashing. So now this is fascinating. This is in Fat al-Bari, volume 12, page 119. So if you look very carefully, if the majority view says that there's no lashing, what does that mean? That means that the Quranic verse has been abrogated by the Sunnah. Look at the sanctity of the Sunnah. The Quran says, lash them a hundred times. Why have you dropped that? You say, because they're stoned. Stoning is not in the Quran. Because yes, it's in the Sunnah. So majority have said what? If you look between the lines, they said, the Sunnah has abrogated the Quran. But only for the one who was married and committed, um, you know, zina. If he's not married, then the verse that applies, lashing. Of course, there's no stoning. So this again is another very important lesson that the sunnah shows the sanctity of the sunnah. That it's, you know, abrogating certain commands of the glorious Quran. Also, there's an exception to the rule. What if somebody's forced to commit zina? So they haven't forgot, which is, you know, I don't know how that works, right? But they, they, they're, not, they're doing it with intention, but they're put into a situation of force. Are they accountable? So there's a report. The hadith is in Behaki and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah said Sahih in Irwa al-Ghalib number 2313. Abdul Rahman al-Salami rahmatullah he said, Umar ibn al-Khattab he was brought a woman about to die from thirst. A shepherd passed by and she asked him for water. He refused to give her water unless he could have his way with her and she reluctantly did so. Umar consulted with the Sahaba about stoning her. Ali said she was compelled to do so. So I think she should be free. Umar then said you are free to go. So here if a woman is compelled or a man for that matter if the situation arises and is absolute you know he had no choice or she had no choice even though they've done the act of zina outwardly there is no crime committed by them. So the woman, she needed water and she was desperate and the shepherd said, only if I have my way with you. That was enough for her life to be spared. So again, coercion. So not here, coercion in the majority of cases is an excuse. Allah Ta'ala excuses the, the person. In fact, the Prophet said, for my sake, Allah Ta'ala forgives what you do out of coercion. But there's an exception. One exception is you can't take the life of another, even if you're forced. So for example, if a tyrant says you must kill this person, you cannot take his life. You are accountable for that. So there's a few exceptions to the rule. But generally speaking, that, that the sunnah is applicable. Also, 
شیخ مدودی رحمت اللہ علیہ اس تفسیر ہی سیز نا دس از فار دا ون اپلائنگ دا حدود سو ان ولیوم ایٹ پیج ایٹی تھری آف دا انگلش ٹرانسلیشن ہی سیٹ کوٹ دا سیکنڈ تھنگ وچ ڈیزروز اٹینشن از دا وارننگ فرام اللہ سبحان و تعالی دیٹ نو فیلنگ آف کمپیشن او پیٹی شوڈ ریسٹرین یو فرام اپلائنگ دا کمانڈ آف اللہ سبحان و تعالی Then he calls the hadith. This is recorded by Imam Razi in his Tafsir Kabir, volume 6, page 225. Our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa on the day of judgment, a judge who reduced the punishment by one stripe in one case, he'll be called forward. He will be asked, why did you reduce the hudud by one strike? He will say, out of pity for your creation, O my Lord. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, well, it means you were more compassionate towards the people than myself. Then it will be ordered, take him to hell. Another judge who had increased the punishment by one stripe will be brought forth. He will be asked, why did you increase it? He will say, it was done to serve as a deterrent for others, O my Lord. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, well, It means you are wiser than me with regards to them. Take him to hell. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> so this is the meaning of the verse. Don't let compassion get in the way. So if the command is 100 stripes, you don't reduce it to 99. You don't increase it to 101. If the judge does that, that's a major sin. Major sin. Why? Because you're finding fault with Allah's hukum. You're more compassion. That's what it boils down to. I didn't want to give him 100. I felt pity for him. So what are you actually saying? Allah Ta'ala spells it out. You're more compassionate than me. Go to hell. Who wants to be a judge? <laughs> you know, people look to be to only be fatwa, brother. Go on then. You're my bridge to hell, mashallah. Right? You know, so, you know, there's the proof. Don't give fatwa. Keep away from it. One extra, one less caused the judge to go to hell, even though he was applying the shariat. Another important point. Sheikh Baudoudi says, Rahmatullahi If the quantum of punishments were to be changed according to the status of the culprit, this is also a great crime. Then he calls a hadith. The hadith is in uh, Bukhari and Muslim. Our beloved mother Sayyidah Aisha relates that the Prophet said, The nations before you perished because whenever any amongst their aristocrats committed theft, he was forgiven. But whenever an ordinary person committed the same crime, he was prescribed the punishment because they're perished. So this is jahiliya. So if you get so-called Islamic you know, ruling a, a, a government which is applying the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they're applying it only, let's say, to the poor, not to the rich, that's got nothing to do with Islam because that actually will destroy that community. So there's got to be a straight forward through the, you know, through the king, right up to the pauper. If the crime is committed, the hudud is applied. Classic example, the hadith is in Sayyid Bukhari, and this woman committed theft. So the people thought, how can we get her off? So they go, let's go to Osama, you know, the beloved of the beloved of the Prophet They brought the case to him. He was a teenager. He goes, please, you got a special access to the Prophet. Put a good word in for this. So he went. 
When the Prophet heard him, he was furious. He goes, do you dare intervene with regards to the command of Allah? He goes, nations were destroyed because of this. Then he gets onto the pulpit, he calls the people, وسلم, and he said, exactly what he said to Osama, but he added something. If Fatima, daughter of Muhammad وسلم, committed the crime of theft, I would cut off her hand. So why did he mention his daughter? Because nobody's above the law. If anybody's above the law, it's my own flesh and blood. But there's another reason why he mentioned Fatima. Because the woman who committed theft was called Fatima. Right? She was from Banu Maghzum. So the Prophet actually said, as if he was saying between the lines, let alone this Fatima. Even if my Fatima committed theft. So now, if you look in certain parts of the Muslim world, you know, you can work it out yourself. You hear, you know, princes getting away with murder. Getting away with murder. And this is an Islamic country. So is it really? Causing more harm than good. But if the Sharia is applied correctly, tremendous blessings. How do we know? The Hadith is in Nasai Ibn Majah. Our beloved Messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the enforcement of one hudud is more beneficial to the people than 40 days of rainfall. The enforcement of one hudud is more beneficial to the people than 40 days of rainfall. So why is this interesting? Isn't 40 days of rainfall going to cause a flood? <laughs> so obviously it doesn't mean the flood of Nuh It means beneficial rain. Where your rain is just sent and you're thinking, SubhanAllah, it's giving life. And what's the thing that you image? You see life coming to dead lands. That is the hudud. It brings life. When the Khilafat was dismantled, the hudud was dismantled. The world's suffering. The world's crying. Why? Because the Prophet said it. Then you got piecemeal Islamic governments. I don't know, you know, you don't want to mention names. Are they really applying the hudud? Causing more harm than good. So, and also then you get the quasi so-called Islamic states. Is that Sharia? You know, are they applying Sharia? What do you think? So note, the perversion of it has got nothing to do with Islam. But the correct application of it is nothing but a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where's the proof that the earth benefits from the hudud? Go to the time of Christ. What did the Prophet say? Blessed be the time of the second coming. Blessed be the time of the second coming. He said it three times. He goes, the earth will be you know, restored. And then he even said, that if you even put a seed in Safa, it will sprout. In the second coming of Christ. Safa is a desert. It's Makkah. Nothing grows there. But the earth is that blessed with the second coming of Jesus Christ. So note again, this is why the hudud is given. Nothing but a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, if you look at the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Let not compassion move you in their case. So Shaykh Maududi on page 84, volume 8, he states, It is a sin to inflict any other type of punishment instead of flogging, even for the sake of compassion or pity. But if any other type of punishment is inflicted on the ground that flogging with stripes is a barbarous type of punishment, it is unbelief, which should never be tolerated even for the moment by a true believer. To believe in the divinity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then to call him a barbarian is only the talk of hypocrites. So now you get Muslims saying this. What did they say? 
no, 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 we don't, we don't, whipping, no, we don't whip, nah. That was back in the day. So what do you do now then? You put him in prison. So why do you put him in prison? Because it's like more civilized. Take your shahada again. <laughs> and he goes, well, hey, how have I become a kafir? So you just said that the whipping was uncivilized. It's out of date. Allah Ta'ala didn't know what he was doing. You might as well say that. I know what I'm doing. Right? So the Shaykh is saying, keep away from that. This is a disaster. Right? Allah Ta'ala knows exactly what he's doing and this Shariat is still Qiyamat. Nothing changes from the command of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So this is what Shaykh Maududi mentions, Rahmatullah Also, the Hadith mentions in Bakhwi and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Mujahid Rahmatullah he recited this portion. وَلَا تَأْخُذُكُمْ بِهِمَا رَأْفَةٌ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ Let not compassion move you in their case in a matter prescribed by Allah. He explained. If the matter is taken to the ruling authority, the punishment has to be carried out, cannot be stopped. This is in Bhagavi and Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Meaning, if you're going to show compassion, the only time that is allowed is before you take them to the authorities. That is your compassion. Repent. Ask Allah to forgive. But if it's taken to the authorities, it's gone. Now the, they have to apply the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, what does Allah say? Very interesting. If in kuntum tu'minuna billah wal yawmil akhir, if you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the last day. Why does he say that? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why does he say, don't show compassion? If you believe, because the Prophet famously said this. What did he say, for instance? In Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim, the Prophet said, He who believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the last day, let him honor his guest, for instance. So what does that mean? Does that mean if you don't honor the guest, you're a kafir? The answer is no, you're still a Muslim. But that act of yours, is the act of the unbelievers. As if Allah Ta'ala is saying, or the Prophet is saying, what's the difference between you and a kafir? You didn't honor the guest. So this is the meaning of that famous hadith. And other things are also mentioned. Here in the Quran, Allah Ta'ala uses the same words, let not compassion move you in their case, in a matter prescribed by Allah, if you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the last day. Meaning, if you Get it involved. You can rightly say, but that's not an act of a believer what you did there. You've got to question your iman. Why have you let compassion you know, get in the way? And notice Rasulullah. As soon as the command came to him, no compassion. Right? He goes, even if Fatima committed the theft, I would cut off her hand. Are you more compassionate than Rasulullah? So not here, the wording. Also, if you look at the end, a few interesting things are mentioned. So in Abu Dawood and Dinmadi, our beloved messenger, he said, Compromise with the matter of the prescribed punishments, mutually sorting it out amongst yourselves. But once a matter where the prescribed punishment is received, reaches me, I am duty bound to carry it out. So for instance, a person committed theft, he stole the cloak of Safwan ibn Umayyah. And Safwan ibn Umayyah had recently embraced Islam, radiyallahu so we brought them to the Prophet And the Prophet after investigations, everything was sorted. He goes, cut that man's hand. So Safwan goes, Ya Rasulullah, I didn't bring him to you to cut his hand. 
<laughs> there was a, a blowing. Do you think that you make a dua for him? And then the Prophet said, I have to apply the hudud. You should have not brought him to me. <laughs> so there's an example. Recorded in Tirmidhi. There's no compassion. Why? Because you brought it to the authorities. The evidence is straight. Everything is ticked. I have to apply the command. So Safwan learned a heavy lesson there. Imagine that guy's man, hand was caught. And Safwan thought, I had no intention of his hand being caught. It was just my cloak. It was worth more than the stipulated amount. So there you go. Also, even if pity is felt on witnessing the hudud. So somebody goes, hang on a minute. What if I'm brought forward to witness the hudud? And I feel pity. Is that kufr? Or is that like unbefitting a Muslim? The scholars say, no, you'll be rewarded for that. So a person goes, I'll be rewarded for it. How does that work? In Ahmad and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, a companion once said, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when I slaughter a sheep, I feel pity for it. So he thought there's something wrong here. Allah Ta'ala has given me full license to slaughter, and I'm slaughtering, but I'm thinking, I'm feeling pity. Have I got more pity than the one who's allowed me to slaughter? You know, he's thinking on those vibes. The Prophet said, you'll be rewarded for that. <laughs> so you got to be careful. You don't start applying it to everybody. <laughs> right? So when you see a person, you know, you come forth to see a person's hand being cut. You see, you come forth for a woman or a man to be, uh, you know, striped on the bike, to be stoned. You feel pity. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, you'll be rewarded for it. <laughs> so this is the compassion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also Imam Razi in his Tafsir Kabir, volume 23, page 148, Tafsir Baydawi, volume 2, page 115, Imam Razi said, he recited this portion, and what's interesting, he recited this portion, In kuntum tu'minuna billahi wal yawmil akhir, if you believe in Allah on the last day, Imam Razi said, this was said in order to incite and encourage anger for the sake of Allah and for his religion. So when Allah the Almighty says, don't show compassion if you believe in Allah on the last day, this is like encouraging somebody. He goes, you know, show izzat. This is the shariat. You should be proud of this. Kind of a rebuke. Don't let it get in the way. And also Imam Qurtubi said in his tafsir, volume 12, page 166, he said the same about the verse. He added, this is similar to the way you say to a man in order to incite him. If you were really a man, you would do such and such a thing. Meaning that it is the way that real men should behave. So Imam Qurtubi said, like you said to a, you know, a man, when he's not, you know, he's not showing, you know, his man, he should, it's a time to show his manly qualities. He goes, come on, you're a man, you know, what are you doing? And you rebuke that person. He goes, that is our Allah is talking to you. That's what he's saying. If you believe in Allah, you're a man, do it. He goes, there, Allah is telling you. He goes, enforce the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So note all of this you can't get from the Quran, right? The scholars, the inheritors of the prophets highlight this. And what does it say at the end of the verse? And let a party of the believers witness this. So there's no punishment behind closed doors. <laughs> You don't start saying, you know, what, what happened to your hand? Behind closed doors, my hand got caught. What does it happen? Witnesses have to see it. Why? The scholars say the punishment should be open in order for it to be a deterrent. Where's the deterrent? A person got stoned behind closed doors. How's that going to stop people from committing zina? Well, if you get witnesses to it, they're all going to go back thinking, don't do it. 
Stopper. He goes, I just saw a person getting stoned. It's not, it's a serious matter. Somebody commits theft. You see the hand getting cut off. You're going to go down. Your, your, your bayan's enough. Just for the sake of that, he lost his hand. You don't do it. Another person gets whipped a hundred times. What's the point? So imagine 40 witnesses telling that in the community. Who's going to do it? Right? And the scholars say that the witnesses need to be rotated. <laughs> Why? Because if you get the same people witnessing it, you might get used to it. <laughs> and you're called, you know, they say you call for Judy. <laughs> what do you call it? Judy? Judy, Judy. Right? That's part of our deal. Well, imagine you get, you know, you call up for Hudun witnessing. Oh, no, like, you have to attend. Imagine, do I have to see a person again? You have to go. Are you a man? Go on. Right? Next minute. Right? Okay. You don't need you. Now go bike. Next minute. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's the beauty of the Sharia. So note, Allah Ta'ala is explaining right at the beginning of this glorious surah the detailed regulations with regards to the crimes of uh, the flesh. And note again the detail, Alhamdulillah, given by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I'll recite the verse again and we will conclude. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, Bismillah Rahman Rahim. Azaniyatu wazani fajlidu kulla wahidim minhuma mi'ata jalda. وَلَا تَأَخُذُكُمْ بِهِمَا رَأْفَةٌ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَلْيَشْحَدْ عَذَابَهُمَا طَائِفَةٌ مِّنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an the Rabi of our hearts and I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He forgives me for any edits which I may have inadvertently uttered. Subhanallah